0: A social Minute, a podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today we're going to be covering minute number one hundred and two, which goes from one hour uh, forty-one to one hour forty-one fifty-nine. Uh, we start with Sean Parker saying "fuck you." Um, one of only two f bombs dropped in this entire film. Uh, I was going to say, and I've that... I've got both of them. So...
1: <laughs> yes, it okay. managed
0: it managed to get both a PG thirteen in America and a, a twelve rating over here, despite the fact that it uses it twice and uh, the and drug use. in quick succession. Yes um so mark goes up the steps and sean does this weird little thing that i think made it into the trailer as well and i think is quite well known as like a, a gif uh which is sean parker kind of kissing and then putting two fingers up to the building um and then eduardo saverin flies in and um you know he he goes uh, he talks about how you know even though the stunt you know they did the stunt it still worked and they were getting an investment offer um and of course, Eduardo says that he was walking into an ambush, um, and he arrives. And then uh, you hear from behind him in the the all glass meeting room, uh, Mr. Saverin Hay, and that is where the minute finishes. And joining me to talk about today is Luke Allen. Hello, Luke. Hello.
1: I really, completely coincidentally, happen to be using a coaster with the 12A certificate on it, which I just thought was <laughs> interesting. I've got a bit. I, the- I'm a weird super fan for age ratings. Like it's just a fascination of mine. Uh, the BBFC age ratings. And so, like, I sent them an email a while ago and asked them if they've got any like stuff to buy, and they were like, "No, but they'll send me a load of freebies, and I've got like t shirts <laughs> and mugs and posters and coasters and it's really nice and actually, to plug my podcast, I'm speaking to the chief executive of the b b f c soon for an episode, so which will be really fun because um, i I met him at I met him at the House of Commons, which is possibly the most British thing <laughs> to say. <laughs> I was at a filmmaking event
0: and he was there. It was nice. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because obviously, you know, Sean Parker has, you know, he said, go in, find Mitchell Manningham. Sean Parker says, fuck you. And then just walk out. Um, (laughs) Like, um, you know, that's that's the plan. And I like how Mark, before he goes in, he kind of pauses and like, okay, And then he kind of like does this little jog up the steps and kind of looks back at um, Sean and not anywhere in the script. Uh, does it kind of say what Sean Parker then does? Um, so the little gesture that, um, that, that that Sean Parker does himself, um, you know, like uh, Justin Timberlake's kind of weird kind of double finger kiss that turns into him putting the fingers up to the building. Like, I'm sure if someone's walking past, and would be like, w- what is that guy doing? Like, he's, like <laughs> who, is, who is he putting the finger up to? Um, you know, that's all basically Justin Timberlake. Uh, and obviously they kind of kept that in the script. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that kind of finishes that off. But, yeah, apparently this was what happened. He did go in. He did kind of say, Sean Parker says, fuck you. And then <laughs> he, he attempted to leave. Uh, but apparently case equity were like, OK, um, we would like to give you some money. Like, that's why they called the in in the first place. So they they obviously didn't care about it. They thought it was quite funny. And they were like, yeah, OK, you know, obviously we've done something to Sean Parker, but you're not Sean Parker. So we want to give you some money if you wouldn't mind. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, this, this is this is where. Um, You know, we find out from we obviously see that, but then we find out it was successful from Eduardo as we go back to the deposition room. And in late November, um, he gets an email telling Mark to come out for the millionth member party. Uh, Obviously, at this point, they haven't actually got a million members. They will hit that on the 1st of December. Um, And then, you know, the email also said that, you know, they they had to have a business meeting. And Mark and Sean played some kind of revenge stunt on Case Equity. And Manningham was so impressed that he was making an investment that was hard to turn down. So, (laughs) kind of, which is kind of, it gives the wrong impression that basically you can go to Silicon Valley and be terrible and people will still invest in you. Um, I feel like Facebook was a certain special case. And I'm guessing Mitchell Manningham probably didn't really remember or care that much about (laughs) Sean Parker. Um, And I kind of like how um we get this nice little kind of we get this camera move where we see eduardo kind of back in the offices um and you know he says you know i went i went out to california went straight to the new offices and we get in voiceover from it this is a weird thing because we're hearing this in the deposition but we're seeing eduardo in the past and he says i didn't know whether to dress for the party or the business meeting so i dressed for both um and then he says but it didn't matter and, of course, Gretchen asks, why not? And he goes, because I wasn't called out there for either one. And I do love that kind of setup. Um, you know, like the idea that he's he's been... T- We've seen Mark say to him in the previous minute, come back out for the million-member party um and then we see him arrive and he does kind of he's like in a i, I don't know it's a weird kind of he's got like an open shirt collar but then he's also got a jacket on and it's black so it's you know a black shirt so it suggests that he's you know partying not there for business so he does look kind of odd and i like how in the voiceover they kind of call that out almost as if to say don't worry like this <laughs> you know this was deliberate like it's not the fact that he kind of looks halfway between you know uh you know business casual and just casual um but I like I like the kind of the setup as well of like uh, Gretchen, of course, as a lawyer throughout this entire film, has always just been setting up softballs for Eduardo. And so, of course, she says, once we jump back to the deposition for half a second, um, what were you called out there for? And of course, Eduardo, um, as he has been throughout this entire deposition, just sitting in a chair, looking away from Mark, uh, looking out the window, just says an ambush. Uh, And that's when we cut back to the office and we just get the in the background. We just kind of see the lawyer who had previously been there for the signing of the other papers, just kind of waving and saying hi. Um, And, you know, in the next minute, we'll find out what happens within that meeting, because we're going to get to a very important kind of minute with that. Um, But I just like the I, I like the kind of ease of how we switch between you know, um, the kind of the, the present in the deposition room and the way that Eduardo is given us the story. And then in the voiceover, we're able to kind of, I and mean, this is something that the film doesn't actually do that often, uh we normally when we go back to the you know the any flashbacks uh, they're kind of exclusively flashbacks like it's very rare that we get voiceover kind of describing what's happening um so it's kind of interesting that eduardo gives us this description of like you know i was dressed a little bit odd i didn't know why i was there really you know i wasn't going to take part in either and i do like the setup of like you know what were you actually called out for? And then just that ambush, like, like you know, kind of. At this point, I feel like as viewers, we're kind of getting a clearer picture of exactly why Edward, Eduardo sued um, Mark, and it wasn't because you know they were once friends and now they're not friends. Like that's not the reason. The reason is something completely different. Um, and I like how this is basically the very start of us finding it out. Um, And the fact that they've taken like nearly an hour and 40 minutes (laughs) to get to the point, I think is kind of impressive. You know, just the way that David Fincher has been able to handle this. Um, And I just I love the shot of of Eduardo just looking around this office, uh, which obviously is on the soundstage and is a pretty, you know, a pretty accurate approximation of what the Facebook headquarters first looked like um, when they were at their first address. I think after this, they moved to where they currently are now, which is. Uh, a purpose-built building it, what is addressed as One Hacker Way, which I think is literally, like, the hackiest name for your kind of custom Silicon Valley road. Um, But, yeah, and I I just love the kind of the look of it, and, you know, we've gone from, you know, when, when we started off the film, we were kind of, like, in dark bars and we were in kind of dark... You know, um, dormitories and everything was a little bit darker. And now we're out in Facebook, and now we're actually in the headquarters. Everything is so bright, and it's a nice contrast to how things were kind of lit earlier in the film, where everything was a lot darker. And you know, now we're in California; everything has to be brighter.
1: I was going to say this is a film that definitely sort of cares about the the mise en scène and the cinematography, and I think that's that's good. You can always tell when a film cares.
0: In particular, just the shot of Eduardo walking. You know, he comes into the offices and the camera keeps moving while he kind of stands still and looks around. Um, We get a little tiny bit of his POV as he's looking at some computer screens. Um, And obviously every single one of those screens is just green. There's nothing on any screens. Yeah. Um, All of those people are just miming, clicking stuff and doing stuff. (laughs) Um, They're just all completely green. And obviously then they were put in. Um, by the special effects afterwards, to to make sure that from shot to shot they matched exactly what was on the computer screens. Because um, um, what's
1: brilliant, I think, is the fact that David Fincher does manage to make a film which has a, quite a large percentage of scenes of people just sitting around and talking uh, to look as interesting as it does, but to keep you as invested. I mean, I was invested when I was eleven, so that's got to be a good sign.
0: And I also like as well how. Um, you know, the the fact that the the lawyer is in like, you know, the all glass conference room in the background and so Edwa- Eduardo's kind of already walked past him and then he has to kind of from behind you kinda of get the little the rack focus and the, and you, you suddenly see him there and he's kinda of calling and I just kinda of, I don't know, it's just such a well it's one of those things where throughout the film obviously um, you know, it's always, you know, it's shot beautifully anyway, uh, but I think that kind of the shot composition, particularly in this little scene, is really kind of nice, like it's something that David Fincher, you know, occasionally he will call attention to the camera, but very rarely does he do it, and kind of here, I don't think he's calling attention to the camera, but you could say it's kind of more obvious what the camera is doing, um, you know, the fact that we go, we we have this kind of circling shot of Eduardo, um, and the, you know, obviously Eduardo doesn't really kind of know why he's there, like he's been told to come out for this party, but you know, he's also been told he's got a business meeting. And so he seems a little kind of lost, um, which, you know, contrasts with like, you know, earlier in the film where obviously the idea was that Mark Zuckerberg, you know, in any social situation in particular, you know, the AEPI Caribbean night, um, you know, he was the one who was lost. And now, you know, the kind of tables have turned. Mark is sitting securely, you know, wired in, doing coding and everyone around him is basically doing what he wants and this is his world whereas earlier in the film he was kind of more in the you know in on the college campus it was more eduardo's world and you know eduardo's kind of you know the one who kind of uh, hooked them up with uh, you know the girls at the at the lecture and you know like so it's interesting how the kind of the stakes have changed and you know eduardo is now the one who is turning up and is slightly lost as to what's happening whereas earlier in the film kind of mark was let's say just less secure with other people and now he's you know kind of it's his world basically he's allowed to just kind of sit there and do whatever he wants and everyone kind of is you know at his beck and call um so i think it's it's kind of interesting the the kind of the changes between the characters and obviously i think this this kind of shot is one of those kind of good ways to kind of show how lost eduardo looks also andrew garfield doing some wonderful work doing some wonderful kind of puzzled acting in this particular minute
1: yeah i like was this his his big break or was there a film before
0: this? Uh, I think this was pretty much his big break. He'd done a little bit of acting before this, um, but this was certainly the first kind of film that I remember seeing him in, although I think he might have shot uh, Never Let Me Go before this, uh, and yes. that didn't come out until slightly after this. Um, and obviously he'd, he'd done Lions for Lambs but that wasn't a big film. That had, film he, made no money, had
1: he done so. a bit in Doctor Who at one point? Am I right with him, or am I thinking of someone else? Here?
0: No, I think you might be thinking of somebody else. Uh, I probably am. I have a feeling. Yeah, he uh, he's he's never done any TV with Doctor Who. Um, no,
1: I I can't. Oh, that. No, thinking. he has.
0: No, he has. No, you know you're right. You're correct. I stand corrected. Uh, he did do some Doctor Who in 2007. He was in a couple yes, so the Yes, man, the
1: Manhattan. Well, yeah, okay, I am right. Yeah. Thank
0: there we go. Yes. <laughs> okay. Although I knew him before that in the TV show Sugar Rush on Channel Four, uh, where he played the character Tom in season one um so i knew about him from there but uh, yeah i had this weird run where i basically saw every single one of his films <laughs> at the cinema i saw him in lions for lambs i saw him in the other berlin girl i saw him in the imaginarium of dr parnassus i saw him in never let me go and then i saw him in social network um and then after amazing spider-man and amazing spider-man 2 i haven't seen any of his films at the cinema since so i didn't i didn't see hacksaw ridge or silence or breathe And Under the Silver Lake did not get a cinema release over here. So I basically haven't seen him at the cinema in any film since 2014, Uh, which is weird because I basically had like a seven year run of seeing everything that Andrew Garfield did at the cinema. Um, So, yeah, and I, I, I don't I wouldn't say that I'd recognized him from Sugar Rush, but I think in Sugar Rush, he certainly he certainly has the same kind of energy. Um, you know that he did in this and obviously he he'd won he'd won um, you know a number of awards for Boye and Red Riding before this film came out so um, but yeah I would still say that this is probably his you know Never Let Me Go and um, you know all those other the films I mentioned Imaginarium Dr. Parnassus uh, you know they they were kind of reasonable successes but I think Imaginarium and Dr. Parnassus is mostly known for Heath Ledger being in it and then not being in it because he died during production you know, his role in The Berlin Girl is not on the poster. You know, it's mostly the other Berlin girls who are on the poster. Um, and the same with Lions for Lambs. Basically, that made no money and was seen as a gigantic financial disaster. Um, so, you know, this is probably the first time that he made, he was in a film that made a substantial amount of money. Um, and, you know, I guess, mo- I, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking this is probably why Mark Webb cast him as um, you know, Spider-Man is because he saw this film. I
1: suppose, just as a point for this minute, um, as we touched on it lightly at the start, uh, with what Sean Parker says, and we talked about the age rating um, there, uh, Was it? do you have any knowledge as to whether that was anything they, they intended for at the start? Because, like, it does... I always feel like those sorts of films... I don't know that's a way to say those sorts of films. The sort of films where they only where they had the need to use strong language but deliberately only use it a couple of times, like, they're aiming for a 12A? Because it doesn't really seem like the sort of film that's on the top of the list for a 12-year-old to want to go and see.
0: Well, uh, interestingly enough, uh, earlier in the film, there is a point where a note is passed to, um, uh, to Mark Zuckerberg, and what was written on that note was deliberately toned down so that the rating would not go to an R. Uh, okay. Because obviously they already had two f bombs saved up for later on in the film, and so they, you know, they they basically kind of decided to avoid the MPAA giving them, uh, you know, uh, going up one one on the rating for language. So they they just kind of saved the two, and also I think it's interesting as well because the you can use the f word, um, in a exclamation, um, but if you use it in a sexual yeah. manner, that will kind of automatically take it up or in a situation you can use it once but if it's in a sexual manner towards somebody else um, or threatening or something like that then that can result in the rating going up anyway um, just it, the fact that you've got one use does not mean that you automatically are able to save yourself Yeah, um, and um, become a PG-13 and they
1: still, they still didn't save themselves from the Irish film classification offices I think it's a 15 in Ireland I'm. Uh, sure. I'm
0: not sure I would have to look at my DVD to see the Irish rating on it um to figure out um what it was it's
1: yeah it's literally the furthest dvd from my reach in this room (laughs) um but um the i i know that like with british we've become a little more lenient in terms of strong language like my favorite film of all time is the richard curtis film about time and i know that it's in there at least like five or six times they use strong language and that's allowed um It'd be an interesting conversation for me to have with David Austin of the BBFC soon because well, I, do yes. find it I mean
0: I think I think as well this is something that um in the in the uh, DVD commentary for Shaun of the Dead, uh, it is noted that the director and the writer of that film said that they hated um fifteen rated horror. Um and and they deliberately opened the film with the C word so that they could get themselves an eighteen and, and it then the didn't. BBFC didn't give them an eighteen; they gave them a fifteen. And in fact, all three films in the Cornetto trilogy use the c word, yeah, and all three are rated fifteen. They never managed to get an eighteen rating at the BBFC. I
1: I, I love the fact that with the Cornetto trilogy, you can know what number in the trilogy it is by the number of times they use the c yes. word, yes. <laughs> which I which I notice. I don't. Um, but there are some really weird things, like Ricky Gervais' Afterlife. Uh, the first episode of that uses, I think. Uses about seven uses of very strong language, and that's passed at a fifteen. But the last episode of Derek that he did has also seven uses, and that's an eighteen. Um, yeah, so just, I think so it has more hard. to do with context
0: yeah. than anything else. um You know. Yeah, and I I think as well, like um you know, the BBFC obviously, I don't, I wouldn't say that they've become more lenient um in recent years, but I think they kind of have a kind of common sense where like you know just because you're using a certain word once um you know in particular in Shaun the Dead it's used in a friendly way that doesn't mean that you have to bump it up to an 18 like just for that one use um and also all the gore in there didn't get an 18 because it's comedy so you know if yeah and so like i i feel like they're reasonably consistent in terms of uh, you know the the kind of ratings um you know so but, I, yeah, I do I kind of find it funny that this film manages to get away with a 12A despite the fact it uses the F word twice. And, of course, you know, a lot of comic b- The cocaine as well at the start, that's uh, uh, another
1: bit. Uh, is that not at the start? No, is that that's later, later
0: on. on. That's, that's in a party scene. Okay, I'm and, wrong And, uh, again, they kind um, of stick... To, to make sure they get a PG-13, you never see anybody take any drugs. Um, but you think you, see, you, you think you see people take drugs. Um, and that is that is how they manage to get around that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I I, I don't know, I I, I think this, you know, like kind of Eduardo being lost after Mark has kind of pulled this stunt with Sean, again, it shows that like Sean is becoming closer to Mark and Eduardo is kind of being left out in the cold. And obviously we are going to see the results of that in the upcoming minutes this week um, because we very quickly get to, (laughs) <laughs> exactly Eduardo figures out what's going on and things take uh, you know a dive south very very quickly because I,
1: I I have that on my desk I've got a poster of the guidelines right next to me but it doesn't well, it just doesn't really say much but I did so, at some point have something which is possibly not of interest to half to the listeners anyway but it's a uh... It's, some of it's quite worthwhile and
0: so uh let's go to the tuesday question uh which is when did you join facebook
1: um i joined facebook um i think about two days after i turned 13 uh so that would have been um just over two years ago i think uh about two years yeah. six months ago um i can't so that was 2017 um yeah i don't know i've just found my book of classification guidelines um I, I, okay. I know that possibly shifts the turn the a bit, but... Um, 12. So it says, with 12, there may be moderate bad language, strong language may be permitted depending on the manner in which it's used, who is using the language, its frequency within the work as a whole, and any special
0: contextual justification. Well, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Luke?
1: Um, I'll go with the same as uh, I said yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. I always struggle with remembering all this. I as I said yesterday, I host Please Be Seated, a podcast where myself and special guests review a film of their choice. You can find that on most of your podcast platforms. I forgot to say yesterday that we're available on Facebook, um, Please Be Seated. We're on Twitter as, if you excuse the pun, Please Be Tweeted. And um, you can find all podcasts, short film, podcast appearances, radio appearances... Whatever I do is probably up on my website, lukeallen.co.uk.
0: And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute, on Twitter at social underscore minute, and on Facebook at social minute podcast. Thanks for being my guest here today, Luke. It's been great fun. Thanks for having me on. And otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow.